0: good afternoon and welcome to third and short here on kcou 88.1 fm columbia happy finals week to all of our fellow tigers out there third and short is your one-stop shop for nfl news and fantasy football analysis thank you for joining us with our last live show of the semester my name is luke sweezy and i am joined as always by jack shimanick how are you doing my friend
1: Doing well. I'm almost finished with uh, with all my schoolwork for the year, so I'm really excited I'm done. about that. That's I'm awesome. Done.
0: Feels great. That's awesome. All I got is shows today, but this is fun. And I'm happy to be here.
1: Yeah, um, I think we have a great show, and I'm really excited about it today.
0: What are we talking about today?
1: So this week on the show, we're going to go and get started by looking back and giving out some awards from the Week 14 action. And then we'll take a look at the Week 15 game slate. Lastly, we will air some fantasy football, I guess you could say grievances from the regular season. Oh, yeah. And uh, we're going to dive in deep to this uh, playoff picture as the wild card race heats up.
0: We got some fun stuff on the show. We got some new awards coming at you yeah. later in the show, and the big news for me this week, for the first time this season, my mom and I finally won our pick'em pool at her school.
1: It makes sense. There weren't a lot of upsets. I only
0: got two games wrong.
1: That's that's nice. So
0: feeling good. Finally got the win there. Yeah. Even though the fantasy season has not gone my way. Yeah. I got one nice win here, and I'm happy that that finally happened.
1: I'm 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 glad for you.
0: All right. Before we get into all of today's topics. We've got some headlines we need to go over from around the league, starting with the fact that everyone has COVID. Yeah. According to Adam Schefter, the NFL has had 75 players test positive for COVID-19 in the past two days. On Monday, a record 37 players tested positive. So that's worse than even last year yeah. for a record. Mm-hmm. And a lot of notable players and figures from across the league have been added to the COVID-19 reserve list in the last couple of days. Let's start here with the Cleveland Browns have 10 players and counting on the list. That includes quarterback Baker Mayfield, tight end Austin Hooper and wide receiver Jarvis Landry and their head coach Kevin Stefanski.
1: Yep. Pretty much all these guys are going to miss their game on Saturday against the Raiders.
0: Yeah. We got Saturday football this week, so it's a little look, weird look to forward think about to that, that one.
1: Yeah. And then, uh, Moving forward here, the Rams have 10 players on the list right now, and those players include Odell Beckham Jr., Jalen Ramsey, and even Darrell Henderson. So that's something to monitor there some, if you have those players in fantasy or are looking at that Rams matchup.
0: Yeah, definitely some significant players there for the Rams. Also, the Washington football team has eight players out on the list right now. Almost all of them are coming off of their defensive line, Yeah, which, is, think, all, which is also dealing with some injuries right I,
1: now. I think I saw another report earlier while we were hanging out in the studio that they added another one to the list so it might even be nine now so like a lot of these teams
0: are under intense like lockdown covid protocols and they're doing exclusively virtual team meetings so adam Shafter says that there are seven teams in enhanced covid protocols right now and those teams are the browns bears falcons lions rams vikings and football team Mm. so breakouts going on in all of those teams across The league right now, and then back home here we've got some COVID issues on the Kansas City Chiefs. Chris Jones and Josh Gordon are both on the list, and Chris Jones has obviously been a major contributor for the defensive turnaround that this Chiefs team has seen. And Josh Gordon also got his first touchdown with the Chiefs this week. Love to see that little shout out to him, but unfortunately doesn't look 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 like he's going to be playing in our Thursday
1: night matchup. Yep. And then uh, two, one more quick ones. Uh, You mentioned the Chiefs, but uh, the Chargers left tackle Rashawn Slater also uh, has COVID right now. And the entire Miami Dolphins running back room uh, that COVID's been going around there. So uh, I guess if you have Miles Gaskin in Fantasy, keep an eye on that situation. Yeah. So a lot
0: of COVID-19 tests that we are seeing go positive Mm -hmm. this week. And I'm sure that this will continue to develop in the coming hours and days and have some major implications on this week's matchups as your fantasy teams are probably at least hopefully in the playoffs and your real life teams might be vying for a wild card spot. But let's move forward here to our injuries. Not a lot of really significant injuries, but there are slight injuries to significant players. Yes. So, Let's start here with your boy, Ravens quarterback, Lamar Jackson, who sprained his ankle on Sunday, and he was quickly ruled out for their matchup against the Browns. John Harbaugh said on Monday that it is just an ankle sprain and not a high ankle sprain, and that the plan is for him to play this week against the Packers in a very tough matchup.
1: Tough matchup. I don't think that he's going to be at 100%, and he relies a lot on his athleticism, so uh, we'll see how well he can play, but I'm not too optimistic about that.
0: Yeah. And then up next, we've got Bill's quarterback, Josh Allen, who was a limited participant in practice and is considered day to day with a foot injury. He was spotted earlier this week in a walking boot, but yesterday was not seen in it. So progress there and looks like he should be in line to play on Sunday.
1: I mean, he practiced, so things are looking up for him. Yeah. And then moving on here, Washington wide receiver Terry McLaurin is in concussion protocol after leaving the game in the third quarter last weekend. Uh, The man throwing to him, Taylor Heineke, also suffered a knee injury in the fourth quarter and had to leave the game. Sounds like that he's going to be okay and is in line to get the start on Sunday.
0: And Chargers running back Austin Eckler hurt his ankle and did not return to the game after his injury. He missed the first practice of this week and was limited yesterday. I've yet to hear what's going on today, but Coach Brandon Staley said that this injury is nothing major. But again, it's still worth monitoring because the Chargers are on a short week playing on Thursday night.
1: Yeah, uh, that'll be a big loss for them considering they don't really have a solid backup running back. Hey, I mean, hey, now Larry, Roundtree's Larry Roundtree is exciting, but he was a sixth round pick. And he hasn't had a ton of ton of ZOU. He hasn't, hasn't had a ton of uh, <laughs> production. And then lastly here, uh, Browns. I guess third down slash backup running back Kareem Hunt just recently came back from the IR, but ended up getting hurt again last week. He left the game with an ankle injury and Kevin Stefanski said on Monday that he does not expect Hunt to be available this week. So fire up some Nick Chubb and maybe we see some more Dearness Dearness Johnson. Dearness Johnson's
0: probably going to be the other running back in the mix. And based on the fact that Baker is out with COVID and two of their top receiving targets on offense are out on the COVID list. They might be running the ball a lot. Run, run, run. On Saturday. But that is all the news we have here from injuries to all this COVID stuff going on. But it is time for the first break of the program. When we come back, we will be giving out our Week 14 awards and recapping some of the big games from this last week. You're listening to Third and Short here on KCOU. (laughs) Welcome back to Third and Short here on KCOU 88.1 FM Columbia. I'm your host, Luke Sweezy, joined, as always,
1: by Jack Shimanek. We're here to talk about some football, as always. Thank you, Luke. Now, this show is dedicated to covering everything related to the National Football League. It's time now to take a look back at what you need to know from Week 14. But, of course, we also have some awards that we would like to hand out.
0: Got some fun awards for you this week, as I teased earlier in the program. We do have some new awards to give out a bit later, but we got to start here with All Reliable and show some love to our university and all those players who have come before on the Tiger football team. And up first, we have to give out the most impactful Tiger award... We always love to highlight when a former Mizzou star makes a big play in the big leagues. And this week, the award has to go to Denver Broncos tight end, Alberto. Alberto had a bit of a breakout game this week. This was his second year in the NFL now. And on Sunday, recorded five catches for 41 yards and a touchdown
1: in the Broncos' dominant victory over the Detroit Lions. Yeah, the touchdown play was pretty impressive. Um... He, he had a he had a great catch where he broke through a couple defenders and and actually dove for the pylon he he the, I think both ways that he scored this year have been on pretty athletic plays where he like uses his length to dive into the end zone so yeah you know i think he's a guy who can make an impact uh for the broncos if he stays with the team and um you know, I think he he he's uh, one of Teddy's kind of underrated targets on the team.
0: Yeah, I think that he is showing that he deserves a bit of a larger target share because when he is given those targets, he tends to be productive and he's kind of a, a tough guy to tackle. Yeah, when, he it, is. when it comes down to it, so this could he could easily emerge as a reliable red zone target on this team. Yeah. Up next, we got another award we want to give out for a game we don't want to talk too much about. Yeah. But got a new one here. We are calling this. The Simple Minds Award. Don't you about me. All right. So sometimes it takes a don't bit longer than expected for a player to me. live up to their draft day expectations. And this week we had someone who, little like a week ago, I would have said is still a massive bust. Yeah. But he emerged from the ashes to put together one of the best games of his NFL career. I mean, at some point you got to f- almost forget these even in the league anymore. This week, the inaugural Simple Minds Award goes to Seahawks running back Rashad Penny. And in case, like most people, <laughs> you forgot he existed, let's give some context for his career. The Seahawks drafted Rashad Penny in the first round, uh, 2018. Didn't do a whole lot his rookie season, but he was healthy. Yeah. Ended the season with about 400 yards and a couple touchdowns. Tore ACL in 2019 and then got put on IR in the preseason of 2020 and missed the entire season. So pretty much has not played in two years. Kind of out of sight, out of mind, especially with Chris Carson normally holding things down in that backfield. But for the first time in a long time, Rashad Penny was in line to be the starting running back for the Seahawks this week. And he had an awesome game. He
1: did. He definitely did.
0: 16 carries, 137 yards, and two touchdowns.
1: It's pretty easy to do that against the Texans' defense, but the Seahawks have been running with like Alex Collins, Travis Homer, DJ Dallas. Who have and been entirely ineffective. Yeah, they've been bad. Um, so it's, it's good to see Penny finally have one of those breakout games. Um, definitely unexpected, for sure.
0: And we also want to give a quick honorable mention for this award as well, because another player you might have forgotten about is... Rashad Perriman, Mm -hmm. 2015 first-round wide receiver, drafted by your Baltimore Ravens.
1: Yeah, what a great pick that was. What a
0: great pick that was. (laughs) He has bounced around the league, to say the least, the last four years, but he went out and scored the walk-off 58-yard touchdown for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in overtime, and that touchdown also happened to be Tom Brady's 700th Career passing touchdown, that's combining regular season and postseason. That's a record that I don't think anybody is going to be touching. No way. Anytime soon. No way. All right. A couple awards there at the top. Now let's move into our game recaps. Starting on Thursday night, Steelers at Vikings. Vikings come away with the win 36-28. to 28. What are your thoughts on this one? Final so, score is not entirely reflective no, no, of how this game felt. No,
1: um... I don't think that uh, this win should should let anyone or should let the Vikings fool you into thinking that Mike Zimmer deserves another year. Um, th- the fact that the game was even one possession is bad enough uh, in and of, of itself. Um, but, I mean, Zimmer's supposed to be a defensive-minded coach, and the Vikings nearly let Pittsburgh all the way back into this game. And that's the story of this Vikings team this yeah. year. They, their offense the so is supposed well. to be
0: the strength, but the offense is performing very well. Probably due to, I believe their offensive coordinator is Clint Kubiak, the son of Gary Kubiak, very yeah. well-respected coach mm-hmm. in the league for many years, Super Bowl champion.
1: Yeah, the Vikings had a 29-point lead in the third and almost blew it. Um <laughs> it's bad. Yeah, I mean, when, when you look at the Vikings, Dalvin Cook uh, coming into the game was a big question mark, and then he went off for like 200 yards and two touchdowns. And then um, on the Steelers' side of things, they had a legitimate chance to win this game, but the antics of a certain Chase Claypool uh, could have been the deciding factor in the outcome of this game. He had a play late that we're actually going to talk about because we're going to give out another award here. Yeah, Chase
0: Claypool deserves recognition, not positive recognition, no, not at all, for what he did in the, in the final seconds of this matchup. So we are introducing the Biff Tannen Award. I figured since they weren't due till. To- Hello? <laughs> Hello, anybody home? Oh. Uh, think quiet. Oh. think. Chase Claypool did not use his head. No, not at all. In, in this crucial situation, and surely he needed to think about what he was doing with a running clock. As the Steelers are driving to win the game, Chase Claypool shows zero urgency. Decides to show off his dance moves and celebrate after a five-yard catch that was inbounds with about 30 seconds left on the clock, and cost the Steelers probably an entire play. They could have got a playoff in the time that it took for him to do his little routine there.
1: Yeah, um, one of the worst parts was that he... um Got mad at another teammate for, like, knocking the ball out of his hand instead of when he was trying to give it to the ref after he realized what a stupid mistake he made. Mm -hmm. Um, But I don't know what it is about Pittsburgh, but it seems like they can't escape from having a skill position player who's, like, uber talented but has off-the-field character issues that keep him from reaching the full potential and helping the team succeed in a positive way. Because we've seen it with Brown, we've seen it with Bell, and now we see it with Claypool, and even Juju I I was going
0: to say, to some extent, Juju fits the bill. This is kind of just not... Being as focused on the game as, you know, doing their little dancey dance.
1: Yeah, as the number one Steelers hater in the, in the world, I could talk about them all day. But we've got lots more matchups to get into. Yes,
0: yeah, so let's move forward here. We'll stay over in the AFC North. Ravens at Browns. Browns win 24-22. to Kind of an ugly game. What are your thoughts on this one?
1: I'm sure this was one you were keeping close tabs on. Of course, yeah. Um. Again, I hate that I was right about the outcome of the game, but I picked the Browns on the show last week. Obviously, the loss of Lamar was huge in this game, but Tyler Huntley really held his own and even threw for like 270 yards against a decent defense. Mm -hmm. Um, There's really not much else to say about the Ravens. They have one of the largest injury reports of any team in the league. And at this point, they really just don't have enough healthy skill position players to hang with the top teams. Um, The same could be said for Cleveland with the injuries to Baker Mayfield and the the whole Odell debacle, but Miles Garrett is playing insane. He looks like a front runner for deploy. And um, even with Baker being bad, the Browns have not been able to run the ball, and um, that's that's going to be big for them if they so want to have. Their, that's
0: their entire identity normally.
1: Yeah, they they they're a running team, and if they want to have any success in the postseason, if they get there, they need to figure out what's wrong and uh, be able to run the ball.
0: Yeah, it's just been. A weird, slightly disappointing Ravens season because things looked so well early on, and it looked like even with all the preseason injuries draft picks we had. out, yeah. and just everything is just slowed down to make this team not fun to watch anymore.
1: The, the injuries are finally catching up, but
0: I mean they'll probably still creep into the playoffs here, but it's not going to be too pretty.
1: No, I don't think so.
0: But I, also, this Browns team is not that good. No, it's not. I think that I'm not worried about them. All right, we talked about your team. Now let's talk about my team the Raiders technically played a football game. I guess you could say at Arrowhead it. Stadium yeah. against the Chiefs and the Chiefs absolutely annihilated them 48 to 9. This is the worst loss in the history of the uh Raiders Chiefs rivalry. This one was over from the very first snap.
1: Yeah, that that uh that fumble six, I guess you could call it. Yeah. By Just Mike Hughes.
0: Quickly. Also shout out to Mike Hughes. He is Just been announced as the AFC Defensive Player of the Week. Oh, nice. Played his heart out in the absence of Legereus Sneed. Uh, Went out, forced two fumbles, and returned that one for 23 yards and a touchdown.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, the rest of the NFL needs to seriously look for Kansas City right now. This is the type of team that they had when they won the Super Bowl two years ago. The defense is finally healthy, much improved, and they're still winning games without having Patrick Mahomes be super elite. Um, it's weird though; his games have been super top-heavy this season. Like when he plays well, he plays so well, and when he doesn't play well, he plays pretty bad. Yeah, both, both of his best games came against the
0: Raiders, right? I mean, we we destroyed them twice this year now, so
1: yeah. The fact that they can win in multiple ways, the, the run
0: game's looking good though.
1: Yeah, the fact that they can win in multiple ways makes me feel like that they are a team that's built for the playoffs.
0: Yeah, so that is kind of our thoughts on. The on-field product, but there's more. There's more things that run deep in this game. Oh yeah, of course. That we got to talk about because boy was this a personal game for the Kansas City Chiefs. The Raiders weren't thinking too much and decided they were going to go out and have they their pre-game meeting in the middle of the field on our logo, dancing around, and that's just a bad look. And as Patrick Mahomes said in his post-game press conference. You don't want people coming into your stadium and trying to disrespect things that you've built. So that fired some people up, I think, in the locker room beforehand. And also, the last time the Raiders were at Arrowhead, they beat us and they took that victory lap in their team bus around the stadium, which I know people have been annoyed about for a year now. Yeah. And... Once our Mortal Kombat style fatality was completed against the Raiders in this one, the Chiefs played the wheels on the bus go round and round (laughs) on the loudspeakers at Arrowhead as this just pathetic Raiders team walked off the field in shame.
1: Yeah, so I I know how you feel about the whole uh, logo stuff. I mean, the Ravens-Titans rivalry, (laughs) that was sparked a little bit by some Titans antics on the Ravens logo last year, so... It, teams take that thing. Teams take that stuff personally. Hey. It always feels better when you can win like that. It's about respect. It's about respect. Absolutely. So,
0: big win there. Not a not that much to talk about. No, not really. Not even remotely close. It was like
1: thirty-five to three but before half.
0: Boy, does it feel good to yeah. just dominate the Raiders like that? My least favorite team in the entire league.
1: Chiefs looking good.
0: All right, let's go on to another big matchup here. Went all the way to overtime. Yeah. Bills at Buccaneers.
1: Bucks win 33 to 27. Yeah, this game surely lived up to the hype and I'm really glad that it did. Uh I told I told everybody there's going to be a lot of points scored and that was true. Um Buccaneers popped out to a really early lead and um I-, I thought the game was over. I mean, the lack of playmakers in uh the Buccaneers secondary actually allowed the Bills passing attack to get back into the game. Um mm-hmm. cuz and it's good the Bills get down and normally all they do is throw the ball, so I guess you know, nothing changes if they're losing by 21. They're still going to, like, they're, they're used to throwing the ball 50, 60 times a game. They didn't
0: run the ball in the first half.
1: No. They Literally. had, like, five rushing attempts. And they were all Josh Allen. Right. Um. The, the Bills were close to sneaking out a win, but again, as we mentioned, Rashad Perryman was the dude who stepped up and scored a giant game-winning touchdown to put the Bucks to 10 wins on the year.
0: The, the Bills are totally flying under the radar for a team that has kind of been collapsing.
1: Yeah, they... are 7-6 and six now. We were very high on them. They were like an AFC Super Bowl contender. Yeah, people
0: were projecting them to be like a one or two seed. Mm -hmm. And they are in that bunch of middling AFC wildcard teams with six six or seven wins.
1: Right, they're not even the top of their division. They've
0: fallen all the way back down there, which is surprising. But like we've been talking about for a few weeks now on the show, they're a very one-dimensional offense. They are. And if you can attack them the way that they're
1: asking to be attacked,
0: (laughs) then you're going to win the game.
1: Yeah. One interesting note from this game, um, as we kind of think about end of the season awards and how Tom Brady is like kind of the front runner right now, his average depth of uh, pass in this game was four yards. That's strange. Like, really short. Yeah. And they were still able to win. That just shows you how talented this Buccaneers team is. I mean, they're loaded in,
0: in, all, in all places, pretty yeah. much.
1: Even yeah. without Antonio Brown, the receiving core is still great.
0: Yeah. A lot of talent there, and... Looking like a legit threat once again. Let's get one more game in here. Um, Rams at Cardinals. Monday Night Football. Big NFC West matchup. Rams win this one 30-23. I know you and I can be proud of this
1: one. Because we both picked the upset on the we show both, last we week. We both
0: called it. Even though that it was very lopsided the first time they came around. We said that this is the week where the Rams need a win. Yeah.
1: Are trending upwards. Yep. Going to go into their building and do it. It was a huge spot for them. I mean... Um, I honestly think the outcome was good for both teams. The Rams needed a win to keep pace in the AFC West and prove that they're still a top contender. Yeah. And the Cardinals kind of needed this loss to humble themselves and remind, I guess, their entire team that they still have to work on things in order to be a legit playoff team. Because they're not perfect. No. Um they they've won some some easy games this year even without Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins and and I think those guys were truly tested in this matchup and and it, it, it kind of showed as as the offense didn't struggle but wasn't as um, potent as we have come to expect. Yeah, Cardinals
0: are still obviously a great team, looking good. Future looks bright, and I'm just I'm glad to see the Rams get out of that slump that they were falling into. Everything is seeming to fix itself. The game started and ended with an Aaron Donald sack. Yeah. And Stafford throwing three touchdowns. We're just we're just getting these Odell Beckham Jr. or Van Jefferson bombs, bombs. every week right now.
1: Bombs and every
0: week. That offense is fun to watch again and Stafford's playing well, so good news all around there. Yeah,
1: hopefully all these all these COVID cases don't wreck all that.
0: Yeah, that's obviously something that's concerning, but they'll bounce back. They will bounce back. All right. It is time for another break here on the show. When we come back, we'll be kicking off our week 15 preview. Uh, You're listening to Third and Short here on KCOU. Welcome back to Third and Short. Here on KCOU, 88.1 FM Columbia with Luke Sweezy and Jack Shimanek. going to be taking a look at some of the most notable matchups on the Week 15 game slate. And you know what? Once again, we have a full slate of games this week. No more buys. Buys are over. First time
1: since Week 4.
0: Goodbye to the buys. Let's get started here with our primetime game. Starting off with probably the most important game of the week. Some might say maybe Thursday night football chiefs at chargers going to be a fun one, but we are seeing the the, the COVID cases popping up that could have some implications that we need to be monitoring.
1: Yeah. Um, again, you, you mentioned this game's going to be fun. You got two extremely high powered offenses, two young, exciting quarterbacks with strong arms, really excited for this matchups. Uh, both teams are coming off blowout wins against bad teams. So I think they both should be ready even though it's a short week. Yeah. Um, you know, as as for who I think wins, I'm going to take the Chiefs on the road. Well, it technically, it might not be a road game. Chiefs fans I'm, travel. I'm unaware of Chargers
0: having a home field advantage. That seems like a foreign concept. You're right. You're right. Um, Beautiful I, stadium. Not a lot of fans. I know.
1: I'm not going to think too hard about this one. I think Darrell Williams and Clyde edwards alaire are going to have big games because the Chargers are still, like, the worst rush defense in the NFL. And yeah. when the Chiefs decide to run the ball effectively— uh, that's a recipe that they can use to win, and they can even use some play action to create those big plays that Mahomes thrives under.
0: Yeah, I'm feeling good about the Chiefs here, because we don't drop to the same division rival twice in the same year.
1: That's also so true. That never happens. And you guys and did the, lose to the Chargers. We
0: lost to the Chargers yeah. early. There's some bad blood there. I think there's a little bit of a feud going on between uh, Mahomes and Herbert, because Mahomes had that comment early where someone asked him like if he's worried about Justin Herbert this year, and he's like, I want to see him prove it. Mm. And then they had like a bit of a tense interaction in the postgame okay. after that one. Yeah. So some, some storylines under the surface there. But again, the Chiefs are coming off a huge win. Everything's going right for this team, and I expect that that's going to continue because this is not the kind of game... That we drop. We don't no. drop. We're not going to lose to the Chargers twice in the same year.
1: Prime time, too.
0: And I think that they are motivated to win in a big way, the same way that we just dominated the Raiders. Like, it's going to be foot on the gas the whole time. Yep. And, you know, the Chiefs' defense has really been the story of this season, but the offense got a spark last week. Chargers' defense is pretty good, but definitely has holes we can exploit. Chargers
1: are terrible against the run. Yeah. Terrible.
0: So... Hopefully if we commit to the run there, and we've got we've got a nice little committee going right now that I think will be productive. So I feel good about this matchup. And the Chiefs defense, they have forced the most turnovers in the NFL since week eight with sixteen turnovers. Wow. Plus ten in the turnover differential in that window. And that's coming back a long ways from the way that we started. When you were dead last this season
1: in turnover differential.
0: Yeah, it was really bad, but I'm feeling good. If we don't have Chris Jones, I'm a bit worried but i think that these guys are willing to step up and fill that absence if that ends up being the case give me the chiefs i'll take the chiefs too let's move into our extra bonus primetime game this week saturday
1: night football patriots at colts yeah big afc matchup here this is going to be our first taste of nfl saturday action that starts in week 15 we've got another great primetime matchup both these teams right now are in playoff positions and look very strong moving forward if they can if they can both stay around to get to the playoffs um when, when looking to to pick this game um, my first instinct was to pick the Colts and that's what I'm going to go with. I'm gonna go with my gut I think the Colts have the best rushing offense in the NFL and I know the Patriots' defense is good, but I think the weakest part is probably their interior defensive line and their linebackers. Yeah, like they're not bad, but th- there's no there's no like studs there that I think I'm really worried about. Well-rounded team, but if there has to be a weak point, that's probably it. And again, we we said um, two weeks ago that that the Bills game would be Mac Jones' first real test, but he didn't have to throw the ball because nobody could that day. Mother Nature saved him. So I think this is going to be his first real test, like we said two weeks ago. Um, and he's going to be leading a Patriots offense that's been good enough to keep them in games because the defense has been so good, but I think the Colts can score some points, and even though the Colts are, I think they might be underdogs at home. So I think I really like the Colts. Yeah. I think I like the Colts to shock, shock the world in this one. So
0: I will also be going with my gut this week, and my gut for the last few weeks has been saying, pick the Patriots till they prove you wrong, and I'm going to do it again here because this team is hot got a 7 game win streak and we got Bill Belichick coming off of a bye week. Yeah. So That's scary. Um, Both um, these teams are coming off bye, right? Yes. Yeah. So interesting scenario here. I think the Patriots can probably lean on the run against a average Colts run defense that ranks 16th in the league right now. It's going to be close, but I think that the Colts are more likely to slip up. Yeah, I think you're right. And I think I think if the Colts have some turnovers, the Patriots are going to capitalize. Yeah. It's gonna and, be it's gonna be close, and you, you got to think that Mac Jones wants to prove something here because all that all the chatter online has been, oh, Belichick didn't trust him to go out and throw in these conditions, and they got to win just by running the ball.
1: But they I, they won, they did win, yeah.
0: But I feel like he wants to prove that he's a part of why they're winning.
1: This game's gonna be really close. I respect the Patriots' pick. I I think that this one is is a coin toss. Really,
0: they haven't let me down yet, so I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with it here. All right. All right, let's keep moving here on Sunday Night Football. We've got the Saints at Buccaneers. These two teams are always weird when they play each other, regardless of how good they are. Because the Saints got them twice
1: last year, so and again this year. Yeah, it's weird. Didn't they win? I don't don't remember. I don't either. I'll look it up. We'll look at that. Um, I'll I'll go for a second while you look at that. Uh, Four or five weeks ago, this game would have been a lot more exciting than it is right now. I know that you did mention that these two teams are weird against each other, but I'm not anticipating this game to be particularly close, Uh, and there's a couple reasons. The first and most obvious is that Taysom Hill and Alvin Kamara are going to have some serious trouble running the ball against what I would argue is the best front seven in football. Uh, The Saints have been able to do almost nothing through the air in the past couple games, and I think that's really going to hurt them because they'll probably be down early in this one. The Saints' defense has also regressed in the past couple weeks, and, I, and they're going up against one of the hottest offenses in the NFL that yep. can beat you in multiple ways. Add on to the fact that this game's in Tampa Bay, tough to bet against Tom Brady at home, I think that this is a recipe for a pretty lopsided victory for the Bucs.
0: And to chime back in here, some added motivation for Tom Brady might be that these Saints did in fact beat the Buccaneers earlier this year on Halloween, 36-27. Wow. But this Saints team is just so weird and inconsistent and kind of sloppy. Yeah. So
1: That defense might have Brady's number, though. If they can pull off another—if they can get another bad Brady game, mm -hmm. I mean, you might have to look at the Saints as, like, a team that just knows how to beat him
0: for some reason. That's true, but the the Saints' advantage on offense is usually their ground game, but— Bucs run defense has been a brick wall all year and nobody, even the best running backs in the league haven't been able to be very productive against them. So, yeah. if they can neutralize that and the Bucs keep playing the way they've been playing, they got to win this one, right?
1: Mhm. I think I think the, the Buccaneers will win yeah. big.
0: All right, let's go to Monday Night Football. Now, we're both taking the Bucs on Sunday night. Yeah. Um not a very, terribly interesting matchup on Monday. Vikings at Bears. NFC North primetime action. Bears were Kind of interesting uh, against the Packers. Last week, they showed a bit more life than we're used to seeing, but that was kind of some fluky big plays that we're not going to have to count on going forward. Yeah. But Vikings are a better team.
1: Yeah, it's exciting that the Bears are getting big plays, but 14 of their points came on a 97-yard kick return. I don't remember if it was a punt or kickoff, but it was a return touchdown. Mm -hmm. And then another one by Jakeem Grant, who ran for like a 71-yard touchdown on like a like a jet sweep sort of touch pass thing. So, you can't really count on those big plays hitting a ton, but the fact that they're getting them is is good. Yeah. Um the only real argument that exists for the Bears winning this game in my opinion is that the Vikings have been in, inconsistent enough this year to where they won last week, so it might be totally illegal for them to win two games in a row. But that's, I still think they're I mean, That's win. the
0: philosophy I took last week. And I know, and and, it I, and, I, and I hit on that pick. So it worked. Oh I don't I, know.
1: I'm going to pick the Vikings. Yeah. Let's, I'm not going to take the Vikings here. I'm not thinking too hard about it because they're just better, and their offense has been playing so well. I mean, Justin yeah. Jefferson is elite, and Kirk Cousins is having a good season. So I'm going to ride with the Vikings.
0: I'm with you. All right, let's get two more games in here real quick. Up first, Packers at Ravens. I I think the Packers are going to roll on this one.
1: I totally agree. Uh, Lamar may play, may not play. Either way, probably won't matter. Because if he plays but is limited in his mobility, it's not. He's not a good enough passer to just sit back there. and. He can't
0: make up for that with his arm.
1: Yeah, he's not a good enough passer to sit back there and dice up a defense that's like top five in the league right now. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, the Packers' defense has been good, like I said. Um, We haven't been able to move the ball against mediocre to bad defenses. So, I don't anticipate the Ravens having much success. We're also super injured on the defensive end. We have no one in the secondary. So, I, I think Devonta Adams is going to catch like 15 passes. He's going to be open every play. <laughs> he's he's going to be wide open on every play.
0: Probably. And I, you, I you know, Rodgers is continuing his MVP level play from last season. So, there's no reasons to doubt the Packers offense right no, now. No, not
1: at all. And they're, they're, they've are they're got two great running backs in the backfield. Yeah. So, they'll be able to move the ball. They can however they want, and I don't think this game's going to be close. The Ravens, I don't know what it is, but we, we play good teams close, but in terms of just not having enough talent at this point, I I don't think we're going to be able to hang yeah. with them. It's messy. Yeah.
0: Both taking the Packers here. Let's get one last game in here real quick between two teams that people might not care that much about, but it does have significant playoff implications, the Washington football team at the Philadelphia Eagles. Does not sound that exciting on paper? but it matters we got to talk about it eagles coming off a bye now and their their key trio on offense should be healthy we should, I, it looks like jalen hurts will be back this week oh but, he should be yeah you have miles sanders coming off of that the best game of his career yeah. right before the bye devonta smith's been playing really well and like we mentioned at the top of the show there's a lot of covid issues on Washington, especially in that D line, and the which Eagles, is
1: like the anchor to their defense.
0: Yeah, and the Eagles' rushing offense, whether it be through one player or a committee, has been dominant all season. Yep. So it is shaping up really nicely for the Eagles to go and get a win that could steal them a wild card spot.
1: Right. Um, I I actually like the Eagles to win this game. Um, yep. I I mean, when you look at all the COVID stuff and um, even, even if Jalen Hurts doesn't play, Minshew's capable backup. That's right. And uh, the football team has been terrible against the pass all season. So I would I think... not be upset if we got another week of God. No, me neither. I mean, he's exciting. Um, I think that if the Eagles win this, it makes the NFC East or at least the wild card race really interesting. Mm-hmm. So I'm just hoping for, for a good game because I'll probably end up watching a little bit of this one. Yeah, I mean, this is going to be one to keep an eye on. Yeah.
0: I'm taking the Eagles as well. Even though whenever I put the, any faith in this team, they tend to let me down. Mm-hmm. But the matchup is too juicy right now,
1: and I like the fact to, they're coming to not off go a bye. With the Eagles. Yeah. They should be healthy should and, be, and ready to go.
0: I'm with you. All right, it is time for the last break of the show. When we come back, we're gonna be doing a bit of a fantasy football wrap-up on the regular season and doing a deep dive on the wild card race because things are heating up right now and it's getting interesting. We'll be right back. You're listening to Third and Short here on KCOU. Welcome back to the final block of third and short here on KCOU 88.1 FM Columbia. I'm your host, Luke Sweezy joined by Jack Shimanek changing things up today. Instead of going through listener questions, we are going to dive into the wildcard race here in our last block and then look back at the fantasy football regular season. That was, let's get started here on the wildcard race because like I mentioned earlier, things are heating up. We've got a lot of really close records fighting for these spots mm-hmm. and only 4 games left in the season, so we can get a pretty good idea of how we think things are going to play out. And we did have some changes in the standings. So we will start in the AFC where our current wild card teams are the Chargers, Bills, and like we've been saying, the Colts are now in yeah. at 7 and 6. They and the Bengals fall out there at the tiebreaker. So the current teams in the hunt all at seven and six are the Browns, Bengals and Broncos. Wow. So look, so looking at this a lot of seven and six teams. I know who do we think stays in?
1: All right. So uh, Colts, I think stay in. So Colts are
0: seven and six. Their remaining games this season, we have the Patriots this week, Cardinals Raiders and Jaguars. I think the Raiders and Jaguars are guaranteed wins. Yeah. For the Colts, especially if like a playoff spot's on the line and probably drop to the Cardinals, and I think they'll drop to the Patriots too, but there's a chance they win that game.
1: I have confidence in the Colts to beat almost anybody right now. Yeah. Um I I also really want them to get in. So They I'm, can
0: win three games in this stretch.
1: Yeah. Um a team that I think will get in because their remaining schedule is pretty easy is the Bills. Like they could easily go three of four. Yeah. So So
0: they've got the Bills have the Panthers, Patriots, Falcons and Jets left easily win 3, they might win 4. Yeah. If it's if it's fair playing conditions in that Patriots matchup, they might be able to win that one.
1: Yeah, so um and I think the Bengals will fall out cuz they have a pretty tough schedule, but in terms of of the three teams that I think will make it, there's a pretty good shot that we already have the three teams in that are going to go, so the the Chargers, yeah. the Colts, the Bills. Um the Chargers would have to really collapse to to lose out on a spot, um, and I don't I don't have much confidence in the Browns, Bengals, or Broncos moving forward. So I'm actually going to keep the three teams that are in right now: Chargers, Colts, and Bills to to finish out with those wildcard spots. I'm with you.
0: i have been saying that I thought the Bengals would fall and the Colts would get in. That finally happened this week. Yep. And I, I don't I don't think they're going to let go of that playoff spot and the remaining season schedule for the Colts and bills is pretty light. Whereas the remaining season schedule for our other seven and six teams, it's a lot tougher. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Broncos don't have a terrible schedule. Bengals, Raiders, chargers, they could win, but they're divisional games. And you
1: never know with yeah, those,
0: but they, like they could pro- they could maybe win three there, but I think that the other teams have an easier path. Browns have a pretty tough schedule here at the end. They, they still have the Packers and Steelers on the schedule. So I, let's say we think those last three AFC wildcard teams are going to hold the way they are right now, even though there's just a lot of seven and six teams.
1: Yeah, it's tough, it's tough to predict, but uh, I'm okay with going
0: with that. And then let's move over into the NFC now. Not as much movement here. The current teams are the Rams at nine and four, who are a great football team and are, at this point, I think, a clear lock as a wild card team because yeah. the next team would be the 49ers at 7 and 6. Rams got a pretty significant hold on that first wild card spot. Niners again, 7 and 6. Remaining season schedule: Falcons, Titans, Texans, Rams. I think two guaranteed wins could probably peel off another one.
1: Yeah, the Titans Rams games, they might be tough. Yeah. They already beat the Rams though. So who knows?
0: And they, they tend to beat the Rams too.
1: Yeah, they always Which own the is Rams. weird
0: even if they're not as good of a team. And here's where it gets interesting as we fall into that third wild card spot a bunch of six and seven teams. Mm-hmm. Currently, the one that's in is the Washington football team, but the other four in the hunt that are with a tied record Vikings, Eagles, Falcons, and Saints.
1: Okay. Two teams that are not getting in Falcons. There's no way the Falcons are getting in, they no. just can't. And just the law of averages. They have, like, the worst points differential in the entire league. And somehow they're 6-7 and because the Atlanta Falcons never make any sense. Mm -hmm. And then the Vikings just have too tough of a remaining schedule to... I mean, I think the most games that they could win is two more, which would put them at eight wins. And even then they could drop a weird one to the Bears because they have the Bears twice in these next four weeks. Um, So I think really what we're looking at is the Rams are in, the 49ers are in. It's almost a matter of. Which NFC East team? Yeah, because we're looking at the football team, looking at the Eagles. Who have identical schedules
0: right. to finish the season. They play they each play other each twice. They play each other twice, and then they play the Giants once and the Cowboys once. I think the Cowboys beat them both. Yep. I think they both beat the Giants. Whoever, if someone can sweep their series, they're in. Yeah. That might be a weird tiebreaker situation. Yeah. That it's, could be funky. Like if they split. What's going to happen? I have no point? idea. It's going to
1: be. It's going to be. We're going to have to go to like the confusing. fourth tiebreaker. We're going to go
0: down deep on the tiebreakers, but that series twice in the next three weeks mm-hmm. is probably going to determine who gets into the playoffs. I don't think whoever gets in is going to be a serious threat no. for anything, but they are the two teams in the best position for those last spots, depending on
1: how this series goes. Yeah, right now I think it's uh, you're looking at Rams, 49ers, and. I'm going to take the Eagles over the football team. I don't know why, yeah, I think but I'm so. doing
0: it. I'm with I'm with you. Let's let's go. Fly Eagles fly here in that last wild card spot. Sounds good. All right, let's take a look back here at the fantasy football season that was. Yeah. Talk about some players we were right on, some players we were wrong on, and here's some grievances. Yep. So let's start with coaches that deserve slander for things that they have done this season, both in real life and because what they've done to our fantasy teams. You
1: want one, and I'll take I'll take another, the other one.
0: Yeah, I needed to find some way to trash Urban Meyer please, on please. the show today. Please go. But the Jaguars are an entirely irrelevant team and franchise at large that don't warrant much discussion. Nope. But we've recapped them maybe twice on the you, show. Yeah. If you had any interest in a Jaguars player for your fantasy football team this season, odds are you have been let down mm-hmm. because Urban Meyer is an embarrassment of a coach who just likes to play the people who played at Ohio State with him Yep, and does not care about anything else. The ongoing situation with James Robinson to where if he fumbles, he gets benched for three quarters, but if Carlos Hyde fumbles, he's back in on the next series is absurd. It's weird. Drafting Travis Etienne didn't make a whole lot of sense.
1: And he's been injured, so we don't even know if he was going to play well or not. And... Urban just seems
0: clueless and is the, one of the biggest villains in the league right now, so deeply unlikable. They got, I mean, no one cared about this game, but last week it was it was Titans-Jaguars. Titans won pretty easily 20-0, and Mike Vrabel was on uh, Urban's staff at Ohio State for two years. And they went to meet midfield at the end. Urban like did not even like look at no, him. No, didn't, they didn't say a word. He's just such a jerk. I know. He's so unlikable. And all of his answers and press conferences make it seem like he's entirely clueless as to paying attention to what players are getting playing time. And one thing I also want to mention is that he's going around the locker room blaming all these losses on his assistant coaches saying, I'm a winner, and he's going up to all these assistants and asking them to prove um, the the value of their resume and talk about any time that they've won. Well, Urban, you won in college. You won for a program that can that is loaded with five-star recruits yep. constantly. You're a good recruiter. You are not a good coach, and you cannot win at the pro level because if it's a level playing field where every team has talented players, clearly you can't coach. Right. And, and, and what? I'm worried about what's going to happen yeah. to the future of Trevor Lawrence. I know. Because these are critical years in his development and he's got a joke of a head coach right now. And even like the veterans who have put up with so much in their NFL careers can't are done with
1: Urban. Marvin Jones, Marvin left Jones left has the, right. been
0: on bad teams his entire career. The Lions. And he walked out. I know. Of practice because he can't deal with Urban and his antics. It's crazy, man. And I don't know what message that it sends to the rest of the organization if Shad Khan doesn't get rid of him before the end of the season, because this behavior shouldn't be tolerated. It's, it's been a disaster all year. Shad Khan's another person that deserves some blame, because he doesn't care either. No, and, and he gives bad coaches time. I know. He, he gave Doug Barone four years. He gave Gus Bradley four years. But this may be time to break the trend, because there nothing good has happened from the Urban Meyer era, and yeah. it's clearly a toxic environment that's hurting the development of the future of their franchise.
1: And real quick, in terms of fantasy, like their offense has been so terrible that no. none of their guys have been startable. No one's relevant, and you would
0: think that Trevor Lawrence is naturally talented enough to put up some points. Maybe we thought the receivers aren't doing anything, No, and they, they destroy the value of James Robinson. So that's my rant on Urban Meyer, I needed to get that off my chest because it's been boiling over all week. Good for you. We got one more coach we want to talk about here.
1: Yeah, I'll mention Cal Shanahan. Um, it's a couple guys I was really, really high on coming into the fantasy season were Trey Sermon and Brandon Ayuk. Trey Sermon specifically, like I liked Ayuk in, in like the fifth round. I thought he was going to be pretty good. I think he's super talented. Um, I'm, I'm excited. The, yeah, I'm excited for him for the future.
0: But he was in the doghouse almost all year. For
1: whatever reason, it took him to like week nine to get had, regular had to playing earn time. Playing time. Yeah. Uh, but but Trey Sermon was the one that really hurt because they traded up to get him, and then in week one when we thought, oh, it's Trey Sermon's backfield now because Raheem Mostert's out and like all my dreams are coming true, Elijah Mitchell came in and stole the show, and then we never heard from Trey Sermon again. I don't know if he isn't talented enough or wasn't the guy they thought he would be, but it looks like they found a a, a great running back in Elijah Mitchell, and we might not ever see Trey Sermon again.
0: Yeah, and as much as there are great fantasy players on this 49ers team, it's, I just can't draft them anymore. No, nope. because it's I don't so want frustrating any because the way that Kyle Shanahan manages playing time—yeah, we do this crap every year—is so inconsistent. You never know who's going to be the guy. Someone will end up being relevant, but odds are you'll find them on waivers, not in the first six rounds of your draft. Mm-hmm. So, I'm done. Kyle, I'm done with you, Kyle Shanahan. I am too. I'm done with you in fantasy. I've been let down too many times. Let's talk about here some players we were right and wrong about heading into this season, looking back at the end of the fantasy regular season. Jack, who are some players that you want to toot your horn about?
1: All right, so I got three. I was really high on Cooper Cup this year. I was drafting him before Robert Woods. Um, I I wanted to take him um, in like the, the early third before Robert Woods. I thought he had legit league winning upside because of all the touchdowns, and we've seen it. I mean, he scored a lot of touchdowns, but he's his receptions have been ridiculous. He's leading the NFL in receiving yards. I loved Cooper Certified Cup. Stud. Loved Cooper Cup coming in with the draft. I have his jersey from two years ago, so I love the player.
0: With a different number on it.
1: <sighs> Whatever. <laughs> yeah. But uh but yeah, I was super high on Cooper Cup. Um, another one here, Joe Mixon was a guy that I know a lot of my league mates were Completely off the draft board. Including
0: yours truly, because I got
1: burned last year. Joe Mixon was completely off a lot of my league mate's draft boards, and I knew that he would be sitting there for me at the 301, and I drafted him with confidence this year. We we let you have him. We had no Gio Bernard, and Joe Mixon has been really, really good. A lot of volume. I've loved having him on my team. And then the last guy, Jalen Hurts. I was talking about Jalen Hurts all offseason as a guy who had – like 1,000 rushing yard upside, and while we haven't seen those like Lamar Jackson-type numbers from him, he is a top, what, eight quarterback in fantasy?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, even even yeah, uh, some maybe weeks. even higher. Yeah, even some weeks he's been higher. The rushing's been good. He's been able to hit. Almost entirely in the fourth quarter. Yeah, he's been but... able to hit on big plays. I don't <laughs> care when the points come. I just need them.
0: Yeah, you'll sweat it out if you got Jalen in your lineup, but. Some way, somehow, he's going to get you points.
1: Yeah, Jalen Hurts was a guy you could get in like the ninth, tenth round, and I was all over that. I actually didn't end up getting him on any of my teams, mm-hmm. but he was a guy I was targeting for sure. If it wasn't for a man by the name of Kyler Murray, I definitely would have waited on Jalen Hurts.
0: And let's say this: we were both uh, proponents of waiting on quarterback this year. Yeah, mostly because there was so much
1: value in late the, in the, the late
0: rounds. The top quarterbacks that got drafted, other than Josh Allen, haven't. Been that productive? Yeah, like Mahomes, Lamar, Dak. Mahomes, Lamar, Dak have all been okay. Yeah, but they've not returned value based on where you drafted them. But for sure, later round guys, Jalen Hurts, Matt Stafford. Matt Stafford's the one that I want to talk about here as a player that I was right about. That's right, because I've, I've been a big, been a big Rams guy this year, was heading into the season as well, and I waited. I got Matthew Stafford late, and he is currently quarterback four. And he probably went off the board as quarterback 10 or 11.
1: He was, he was exactly, yeah, you're exactly right. I I get
0: the concerns of Stafford being not the kind of player you want in fantasy because rushing upside, like you see with Jalen Hurts, can make up for so much. Mm -hmm. We had a few rough Stafford games there in the middle, but the last three weeks he's been throwing three touchdowns a game, going over 250 yards. Yeah. QB four at a a great value. He's been balling. The Rams offense has certainly paid off. And then last two I want to throw out here of players that I was glad to be right about Jalen Waddle and Adam Thielen, both receivers that I expected to have big seasons and they ended up coming through. I thought Waddle was going to get a lot of targets and that's been, that's been his thing. That's been the thing. It's, it's it's not always big plays, but volume is King, like you say, and Jalen Waddle has been a great late round pick for a lot of people. And then Thielen He's just automatic. Just all, all, he does is score touchdowns.
1: It's ridiculous.
0: And t- touchdown regression does not exist with
1: him. That's a that's a perfect segue because I I was wrong about Thielen. and because I I was like, there's no way he's scoring 14 touchdowns again. And now he has 10 on the <laughs> season, and he could easily finish with 14 depending as soon as, as on as the he injury. Comes back, yeah, yeah. And then I already mentioned Trey Sermon, but Mike Isiky was a tight end that I was saying was undraftable. And funny enough, he is now on my team and might even start over Kyle Pitts this week. And uh, it wasn't a guy I drafted. I, I got him off waivers. Scooped but him. He's like tight end six, maybe yeah. even tight end five. He's really good. He's the, the, and again, it's the volume thing.
0: Yeah, the Dolphins at large have overperformed.
1: For sure. Um, I don't know why. I'd, I I didn't like him because of the, the whole yards after catch thing. Yeah. And I thought that there was just too many mouths to feed. And I didn't think two was going to be good enough to support all of them. But, but he's been
0: good. Taking a step forward. He's been good. All right, and then I'll wrap here with some players that I was wrong about. The biggest one that hurt my team was (sighs) that I had faith in Mike Davis. Me too. This year.
1: The quad father.
0: The quad father, and Cordell Patterson has had this season that I hoped Mike Davis was going to have, and Davis was consistent for about 10 points a week earlier this year, but is pretty much unstartable, and Cordell Patterson is just a stud, and if you got that Waiver pickup early, you're probably in the playoffs right now. Yeah. I, I bet he's going to be one of the most common team players you see on championship teams. Yeah, because you, you got him for nothing him. and he's been a top five back all year. Yeah. Just unbelievable. And then a couple of receivers that I thought were going to be good that have not been good. Up first, Robbie Anderson, because just the Panthers offense in the air in general after the first few weeks has not been worth anything yeah
1: and he actually had a good week last week
0: he had a good week last week finally but I thought that having Darnold come in was going to be good for him and that was not true at all the opposite was true and then lastly I really thought Jerry Judy's was going to have a good year and he missed significant time missed a few weeks there in the middle but he just came back too late and Cortland Sutton and was kind of emerged as the number one in training camp Judy was was Teddy's guy yeah And I thought that was going to be a great pick for me. The injury
1: really threw a wrench in everything.
0: Injuries really threw things off there, but that was a bit of a bummer. All right. That's all we got for today.
1: Yeah. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to third and short this afternoon for our last live show of the semester here on KCOU 88.1 FM Columbia. If you would like to keep up with everything going on with future programming for the show, you can go over to our Twitter and follow us at Third and Short KCOU. Yeah, we'll
0: be reinventing a bit, doing some podcast exclusive content as the regular season winds down. So look out for that. But that's all we got for you today. Thanks to you so much for tuning in to Third and Short here on KCOU. Best of luck to your teams, both in real life and in fantasy. Take care. Good luck on finals and have a great holiday break.